Welcome to the Heroes Church Podcast. Our vision is to build Christ-centered communities of imperfect people for the city. Now, let's listen to Pastor Z as he shares the scripture message. We have so many cliches as Christians. We're like, we're not only Christian on Sundays, we should be Christian from Monday to Saturday as well. And then we also say worship is a lifestyle. And so we all have these cliches, and then we try to imagine or believe them or you know, make it seem like it's working. But when push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, when reality strikes the idealisms that you may have, or the romanticized version of Christianity that you may have. How does your faith really influence the way you live? When you make decisions about life, about money, about power, about, uh, you know, you do on your free time? Does faith significantly influence your choice? Or do we revert back to choosing what's the most convenient? What's the most beneficial? What's the most um, rewarding? What's the easiest? Or what, what gives us the most uh, you know, joy? We are sometimes very quick to offer our lip service to maybe people we want to keep our reputation uh, or our testimony to, towards, but uh, you and I will will have good reflection if we really think about it on how we let faith intersect with how we live. And today, to help us with that, we want to be able to show that it's all a matter of reference. What is your point of reference? What do you look at as your compass, what's your true north, some people say. Where are you headed? What is your key direction? What is your focus? And I think that if we are able to see what directs us as Christians, what are you know, our proper points of reference, then we can easily navigate or... or or it would, I wouldn't say easy, but it, it would be uh, quite manageable for us to navigate through any storm or, you know, detour in life. So I'm going to walk with you through three things this morning. Or if you're tuning into our podcast at any point of your day, 
how we are normally restless in the present, how we could find rest in the past, and how do we realign ourselves with the future. So restlessness in the present, rest in the past, and realignment with the future. Now let's look at the first point. What do I mean when I say restlessness in the present? Well, a lot of us are very restless right now. And a lot of us really live for today. And in here lies the major hurdle. When we, you know, are, are just focused on the now, on the today, on the present, you know, we tend to zoom in on the dynamics, on the circumstances, on the experiences we have just for right now. And maybe, maybe you feel a certain level of control with the now. Maybe it's easier to digest the present because it's tangible, it's concrete, and maybe you think it's real. So the numbers are on my bank account, it's real right now. The value of my investment is real right now. The number of children I have, how they're, well, how, how they're growing up is real right now. And if you have, a, 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 you know, assumed a level of prestige or success, then right now could potentially be positive for you. But the problem with right now is you may have control over little things or a, or a few number of things, or you could have, be in control of a, a whole lot of things, but you are not in control of everything. So even if you have a high-rate bank account or a number of investments, then you've probably seen it over the past three months really fluctuate. So you could have, you know, your target amount today on your investment, but tomorrow you never know. This COVID pandemic has revealed to us that plans you may have had early in the year or late last year are now either thrown out the window or you're now forced to readjust your plans. One day, you might feel very, very healthy and then the next day, you don't know what disease you're going to contract. And so the, the limited powers, the limited experiences you have with the now, though it gives you it may give you a temporary good feeling, also provides you some form of restlessness. 
Is this relationship going to last forever? Is this investment going to hold? Is this company going to continue? Now that's, you know, those are the questions we ask, especially when we're enjoying a certain level of success. But I think more people on the other side of the present will feel more restlessness because many of us don't achieve that even that level of prominence. So even today, we're fighting, we're clawing, we're, 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 we're inching, fighting our way to what? To make sure we have food for our families on the table. We put ourselves in positions where we cannot be sick because if we get sick, then we, don't, we can't work. And when we can't work, we don't have money. Some of us are forced because of the current circumstances to look for new jobs when there are so little to come around. Some of us experience pay cuts. Some of us experience threats. Some of us experience conflict. Even today. And when you're on the losing side of things, then restlessness becomes like breathing. Am I going to survive this? What's going to happen tomorrow? And you know what? Maybe... You've had good experiences in the past, and you're like, when will life be back to normal? So if we're living only for today, then it naturally creates a certain restlessness. If our major point of reference is just right now, then we will be easily swayed by fluctuating circumstances. And circumstances are bound to deviate from things that we think we have in control. So if you have an issue with control, if you want to just make sure that everything is working the way you want it to be, then you can try. But deep inside you know And if you don't know, then this COVID situation just reveals it stronger to us. That at any point in time, what you think you know could be thrown out the window. Now, Paul goes to, you know, as he moves into Romans chapter 6, talks to his um, listeners, to his readers, and he's like, okay, I've been talking to you about justification. I've been talking to you about, you know, uh, uh, how it's won for you through Christ Jesus. And so he addresses people who may have 
right now as their point of reference. And if you've been tuning in to, to our, our talks, our sermons, or maybe you've encountered Christianity in the past, and then you've heard the gospel of grace, then you might be asking this. What shall we say then in Romans 6.1? Are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Paul just beautifully explained how, you know, the grace of Christ ultimately trumps the power of sin and death in Romans chapter 5. Now, with us so pressured to only look at the present, with us who may just be looking for ourselves right now, these are the kind of questions you and I will ask. So what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that I can just remain in sin because grace is so much more? Where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more, so why not just enjoy more sin right now because grace abounds so much more anyway? See? See the mindset of someone who only thinks about the present. And what the, and Paul nips that in the bud early and says, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Okay. We'll go back to how Paul addresses that or, or what is she trying to say later. But let, let's look at Romans 6, 15 to 18. You see, this is, this is a constant, you know, back and forth. And we will also go through this because, you know, our minds could go, you know, anywhere. Our hearts are deceptive. Look at the same thing, that, that almost parallel to what you're saying. The question in Romans 6, verse 1, look at how it repeats in Romans 6, 15 to 18. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Many times, I think sometimes, we hear the gospel is presented to us, but we just tend to focus on the things that benefit us right now, that we you know, capitalize and take advantage of the words we hear and just apply it haphazardly to our situation. And that's why I always disagree. You know, sometimes some people say, oh, pastor, you have to sort of only give the people what they think they can handle for a particular time and day. Like, you know, your your sermon, it could be used one sermon you have could be used for the whole month if you just spread it out a little bit more. And I've, I've seen situations like that where I do, I, I can actually have some references where a sermon passage I have is, is, is taken and the points I have is taken like largely one by one per day on a given month. Now, I think maybe for the benefit of actually exp- you know, exposing one point even better, I will do that. But to water down the gospel, 
to dumb it down a little bit. So that people won't feel its weight. That's something that by God's grace, we would never do. Because if you do that, the tendency will be this. People will just be choosing what benefits them right now. So if you're doling out principles, if you want to be like, or you know, you want to be like churches that only give out principles or practical things, oh, let's, you know, they're growing because their sermons are just so practical. It's just telling you what to do. One, two, three, bam, bam, bam. Then, then you are promoting a tendency to just pick and choose what is applicable to you right now. So, oh, that sermon didn't hit me. It's not relevant for me right now. See? See how we talk? How we engage each other as Christians? Oh, you know, that sermon was just really funny. It's, it was so good. This pastor like really made me laugh with that point. But you see how we choose churches? How we choose where we go today? Oh, let's go to that church because it's really practical. Let's go to that church because that pastor is just making me like feel so good with his jokes. And you know what? The reality is people do go to a lot of these churches and these churches grow so fast that now even people in churches which try to really follow and be faithful to the gospel, they're being ridiculed and they're being asked, why don't you just copy this church? Why don't you copy their style? Why don't you copy the way they do it? There's just so immense pressure. Now, let me explain to you why. If you, know, if, if you are our friend, if you go to a different church and your church is laboring through you know, the gospel, then I encourage you to continue and think about what I'm about to say. Don't be discouraged. If growth is not fast in, in terms of number, don't be discouraged. When, when the voices around you are leading you to copy this, copy that because of sheer size. It's never the corporate ways, the marketing tools, the entertainment value that get you the gospel. It may give you some sense of temporariness, some temporary high, some temporary fix. But at best, it's helping you just focus on the present. It promotes that perspective that we can find rest in the present. But if that is the case, then we will just keep maybe not asking this question in our minds, but actually living, out, living it out in our hearts or in our lives. Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. You know, my discipleship group leader will forgive me anyway. He's supposed to forgive me, so I'll just continue in this. They need me here anyway, so I'm sure they won't, they won't tell me what's wrong. 
Church is about the entertainment. Church is about the how-to-dos. Church is about the convenience. What if you remove all that? And if you think about what's happening now in the pandemic, the world is experiencing, we are experiencing a removal of that. No more free coffee on church. You don't get to seat on your most comfortable seats. You don't get to experience top class sound systems. What you have right now is the Bible. What you have right now is your speaker. And what you have right now is the interpretation of the word to you. And so here we find that if left to own your own device and just your you know, minor understanding and just your easy focus on the present, you will also ask this, shall we sin? Because we are not under the law but under grace. And Paul again hits hard and says, absolutely not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that through though you were slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been freed from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Paul, you know, is, is, is saying here that, you know, the, the gospel is so important. And you need to know that because it will influence the way you live today. And whether you like it or not, whether you have, you know, like last week we talked about objections, whether you have objections to the gospel or not, whether you think, you know, the gospel is trying, the Christians are trying to hammer down the Bible into your heads, it doesn't matter because whether you obey God, well, if, if you do not obey God, if you do not worship God, if you do not, if you don't, don't want to see yourself as just mere obedient slaves to God, then you will be an obedient slave of something else. That's where the restlessness lies. The restlessness lies in who you are serving ultimately in the now. And if you're just focused on the now, we will be serving a lot of things. You'll be serving money, serving relationships, serving you know, you know, your, your, your company, serving what's cool or trending at that time. But where is God in all of this? If we're only focused on the now, faith doesn't have a chance. And let's look at this Romans 6, 19 to 20. For I'm speaking in the human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. Paul talks about a process. Paul talks about uh, a direction to sanctification and a past of where this process is coming from. And so please do not discount that 
there exists realms that are beyond what you think is correct right now. That's why if you're feeling restless, a big part of it is your point of reference is really just right now. How will tomorrow compare to today? What was the past like and how, how does it, you know, it's not as good. Or maybe the past is better, but today is making it so difficult. So what I, I'm, I'm not saying the present is not important. I'm just saying maybe we can relax our grip on it. We can re- let go a little bit of the value we put on it. Because if we hold on to present too hard, we'll really be restless. So what will be the other points of reference? Well, we have to look into the past. And that's what Paul was alluding to a lot of some of the verses I quoted. He says, absolutely not because of what has happened in the past. Okay, what has happened in the past? That's what the gospel helps us see. In Romans 6, 3 to 4, as he answers those rest, the restlessness, he says, Do you not know that as many who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know, a lot of us, you know, like the verses. And, and this is what, the popular verses, you know, I, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we love that verse. And we love the verse that says, you know, I am now therefore a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We like these verses and we're like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're trying to get all these verses and apply it at the present, but does it really help you? When you're only focused on the present and applying this and you have sickness, you have a threat to your family, you have a threat to your job, you have a threat to your economy. You're trying to like motivate yourself and be like, ah, you know, I can do this through Christ. I, I, I'm a new creation. If you're only looking at the present, I'm telling you now, it's not going to work. But for you to see the value of these verses, we have to see behind us and rest in the facts and the truth of the past. And the path, is, the, the path that we need to see is how Jesus Christ intersects with the realities we have. And how our identities suddenly fuse and connect with Him. So that in the past, when He experiences death, we were also been buried with Him through the baptism into that same death. The reason we have a new identity, the reason we have a new creation is not something we just motivate ourselves to have because that's what more of the you know, new age gurus want to tell you, the, the self-help gurus want to tell you that you can just imagine yourself. Imagine. The secret to things is to just 
Put it in the power of your mind. Dream it. Want it. And it will happen. That's not what Christianity is about. What Christianity is about is being able to connect the past and rest in the past of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. So when He died, we died with Him. And when He rose up, we rise. We are raised with Him. And that is what gives us a new life. Faith intersects with your life and my life because of the connections we have from path, from the past of the past, the present, and the future. We cannot just focus on where we are now. We cannot just focus on who we are now. We have to look at the past, the past of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And that is where the beauty is. So when you're feeling down, when you're hurdled with sin, when you're feeling conflicted, angry, and all these things like loneliness, depression are creeping into your life, you have a lifeline because you know that in the past, when Jesus Christ died, all these things that you're experiencing, all this effects of sin that you are experiencing also died with Him. That doesn't mean it will go away right now. That doesn't mean our limitations go away automatically. But what that means is we can carry it and bring it to Jesus. And we can rest in the fact that Whatever it is we're going through now, this, this how sin, you know, sin affects us in different ways. Sin affects us in the more traditional, outward behaviorally ways. But we've already tried to explain that to you more and more every year, that sin is far more greater than that, that you could be actually a seemingly good man or woman trying to live life responsibly the best you could, but sin is still right there with you because of the motivation, because of what you trust. Because when you trust your goodness more than what you trust God, that's sin. But when you have this weight, when you have this restlessness, you can bring it to Jesus because His death put to death these same things. He died for these things. So in this way, what is happening is what you're going through right now makes more sense through the gospel because of what Jesus Christ has done. So if I'm sick, I know I can go to Jesus and be like, wow, Jesus died for this. The effect of sin on the human body, Jesus died for this. When you have conflict, when you have dissension, when you're facing trials and tribulation, Jesus died for this. That's exactly why Jesus came and had to die because of these things that I'm experiencing. That negative bad things we're experiencing only leads you back to the cross of Christ. And the bonus is, and the good news is, that His death was not the end. He actually was resurrected. And so Jesus Christ died for these things. Yes, keep saying that. But Jesus Christ was also raised from the dead. 
And that's why new life is also made available to us. And so when I'm sick, and though I'm depressed, and though this body can try to consume everything from me, I recognize that Jesus Christ died for this, and the power of God resurrected him from the dead, so my sickness is not the end. I'm not saying we just pray for all sicknesses to just heal. That's not even the point. The point is, the sickness may take your body. And the harsh reality is, the sickness may take our life. But that physical, temporary life is not the end. As Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I also have new life. Not only new life here on earth, but new life with Him in heaven. If you have conflict, if you have poverty, if you have insecurities, if you have all these uh, guilt, Jesus Christ died for these things. So we can go look at the past and see how we appreciate that more. But He did not only die for these things. He was raised from the dead. And when we look at the gospel and find that our identities are interlocked with Christ's, then that new life becomes our hope. And this is what we see in the past. So life here on earth may be hard. You know, we're all being tested now, year 2020. A lot of people are, are, are suffering. A lot of people are now facing challenges, prolonged challenge more than they've ever faced. But you, and, and everyone's wishing for this to be over. But you and I as Christians, we know better. The suffering may not end. As far as what the future holds for us and what this, this world holds for us, suffering could be for as long as we live. But the hope is this is not forever. I could live 60, 80, 90, 100 years. And I could live those years in suffering for something. But that is not the end of me. My legacy is not here. My purpose is not limited to my temporary life here. It's connected with Christ. And if he, raised up, he was raised up from the dead, we too will be raised up from the dead. And that is just true. the truth we learn from the past. And see this in Romans 6, 5-7, For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be united in the likeness of His resurrection. We know that our old man was crucified with Him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us, so we no longer be enslaved to sin. Christians, Christianity has a lot of things hinged 
on what Jesus Christ has done. In fact, everything is hinged. The gospel is, the gospel's bottom line is not the present. The gospel's bottom line was what happened in the past. And that's why we have hope of including that point of reference we have in the past, influencing how we live today. And when we look at it that way, then we can find rest. A lot of our worries, a lot of our anxieties are guessing what tomorrow will bring. Why don't we change that mix and start looking at what the past brought us? The past brought us already the greatest reward. So if you're a Christian today and you're still asking for blessing, you're still high on the reward, brothers and sisters, the ultimate reward has already been given to us. The Son of God already came down for us. He didn't only come down for us. He died for you and for me, and He was raised from the dead. That is the best thing you and I can ever get. Not money, not a million pesos, not a billion pesos, not, you know, a lot of people who love you, families, children, all these things are good things, but the ultimate thing has already been given to us. The best thing, you know, has already been given to us, and that is Christ. So what would you rather be? Would you rather be someone who keeps waiting for the best is yet to come? Or would you rather be someone who's always looking for or waiting for God's best to come into your life? I'm telling you, you could choose to live that way or you could realize with the past as reference, the best has already come. The best has already come for me. And that's Jesus Christ. No amount of glory, no amount of love, no amount of treasure or power can overcome this best that we've already received because it's already happened. God has already assured me with His love. God has already shown me His power. God has already showed me He wants to be with me so that if ever in the future or now, a lot of these other things are competing for my love, how can that compare? And that's why the Bible is about rest, The gospel is about resting in the past more than doing, doing, doing. Strategies, planning, accomplishing, results. The gospel is beyond all that because the greatest plan, the greatest strategy has already been accomplished. And it didn't even do any have to do with any of us. So what would you rather rest in? If you're restless in the present, maybe you could consider what Jesus Christ has done. And lastly, how do we realign ourselves with the future. What does that mean? Well, the future is another point of reference. And look at what Paul 
ends with in Romans 6, 21 to 23. What benefit did you then reap from those things that you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now freed from sin and enslaved to God, you have your benefit leading to sanctification and the end is eternal life. For the payoff of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Paul, this is so so wonderful. He's, he's acknowledging that people might, you know, be very restless in the present. He's pointing them to the past because of what Christ has accomplished. But he recognizes that, you know, you could like force people to look at the past, force people to try to look, try to convince them to look at Jesus Christ. But naturally, a lot of people are still looking ahead. Ahead is where we look at. Let's project. Let's plan. Let's estimate so that we can control as much as we can, you know, to make life work. And Paul is saying, okay, fine. Look at the future. What does the future hold for you? And when he says, when you're still relying on yourself, when you're still relying on the things that, you know, captivate your heart outside of God, the end of that, as is consistent with all these gospel presentations, the end of that, if you're only living for the now, if you're only living for yourself, and more likely that that is castigated and, 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 and you're captivated by sin is death. You could try so hard. You could perform so good. But the payoff of sin, if you're not under God, is death. So you could look ahead. You could look at the future. But understand, if, if, if you're still trying to perform outside, trusting in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the end of that life is still death. And Paul says, if you want to live in light of the future, if you want to factor in the future, then let's do that. But realize that the future that God brings to us, that the gospel brings to us when we factor in the past into our present and we look forward to the future, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The end of the Christian life is eternal life. And that is the hope that you and I have. That is the hope that Christianity offers because when we look at the future, we're not looking at securing our retirement pay. When we look at the future, we're not, we're not trying to secure just our children's education. When you look at the future, we're not looking only at solidifying our company for generations to come. When we look at the future, we're not only looking at, you know, leaving a legacy for my family name. When we look towards the future, we look at eternal life in Christ and with Him. What are you looking when you see the future? Success, legacy, comfort. What does this pandemic tell you? It tells you that at any time, 
these things can be taken away from your hands. But when you look at the future and you have something that nothing can take away, oh, I'm telling you, you will live amazing lives. When you look at the future and you know you're gonna be, you're not gonna be defeated, you will live amazing lives. And the hope of the gospel is that when you do look at the future, you see eternal life with Christ Jesus, and no one can take that away. Sin cannot take that away. Death cannot take that away. I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the next chapters, but when you look at the future as a Christian, factoring in the past and having that past influence how your life is leading to sanctification and then the end is eternal life, then you can just imagine you could be the best version of yourself because it will be the most joyous, resilient, strong, passionate person you could ever be. I mean, why won't you try your best when you know you're not going to have meaningless lives? So the future, how you see the future and what you're living for, the future matters. And Christianity offers that too. So if you put all these things together, what we're saying is, you know, the gospel shapes our faith and conduct. How you live today is influenced by what Jesus Christ has done and is also inspired by what you see will be the end. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why the gospel is worth sharing clearly and completely. Because maybe just one angle won't get you. But you have to try to give it completely as much as you can because the gospel shapes our faith and conduct. You know, it has to shape what Jesus Christ has done. It relates with what you are today. The identity is fused with Christ. How you think you have the grace, how you think you have new life, how you think you are strong is influenced a lot by what He has done. And what you want to accomplish in the future is ultimately something that we also need to see the gospel and how it aligns with how we view the future. So brothers and sisters, I know this is not easy. It's just much easier to focus on one thing, the present, the past, or the future. But you know what? We live in a world where so many of our favorite movies or stories or shows are already documenting time travel, multiverse, experiencing the experiences in the past, present, and future, intersecting at one. We, you know, even though how sec- the secular world imagines these things makes it easier to, for you to see that we need to have a good balance, a good blend, and enough space. That's why I'm telling you, what are you holding on to hardly right now? If it's not the present, maybe it's the past. If it's not the past, maybe it's the future. 
I'm just telling you, many of us are holding on to one thing. I'm encouraging you maybe to just relax that grip for a little bit. I'm not saying let go completely because there is room for whatever it is you're holding on to, but maybe you just need to open your hand a little bit. Let's ease up a little bit, brother. Ease up a little bit, sister, because your grip might be withholding you. Your pride might be withholding you. Your, your misplaced trust might be withholding you from seeing these other things. And this is truly made possible, this intersections from the past to our present and being realigned the future is ultimately made possible through the cross of Christ. That's why at the heart of this message is verses 8 to 11 where it says, If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. If we died with Christ in the past, we should also believe that we will also live with Him now and in the future. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, He is never going to die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What are you feeling today? What are you experiencing right now? Brother and sister, whatever sin has caused destructively in your life, whether it's in your physical body, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your uh, societal placement or your economic disposition, whatever it is, grace, the grace of God is so much more and it provides for you the freedom to obey and align yourselves with God's will. Life is very hard. We all go through challenges. Some of us harder than others, but some of these challenges tend to make us question our position in life. And the tendency is to fight back and secure what we think we deserve. But the gospel shows us that is not the way to live. What we want to secure, if we just take away all the layers, has already been secured. Our relationship with God is already assured and nothing can ever take that away. And so, if you think about it, whatever it is you're going through, what I mean here by grace is this. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to earth, took the form of a human being to experience life. What do you think he is looking to in the past? He was looking at the past where he had such a good intimate relationship with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. He was looking at the past where he was the creator of the universe. And so if he only looked at the present and he was only concerned about the poverty he had, was only concerned with the you know, the, the, the betrayal that he experienced. He was only concerned with the being unappreciated by his peers. That will naturally just pull him down. But he sustained. And you know why? I'm sure he was looking at how the past was a rest for him. But not only that, Jesus Christ also looked at the future. He saw the future where you and I will be together with Him. He saw that, yes, part of His past, part of the history of the world was the fallenness of man. And there was a breaking, a breakup of that relationship. You know, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. But he saw the future and he saw the prize. And the prize was the relationship he had in the past with the Father, the Holy Spirit. And then it was shared to Adam and Eve, will now be restored and even so much better experienced with you and me. And so whatever he was going through on earth, betrayal, physical exhaustion, crucifixion, even death. He was able to persevere because of the grips of the past and the future influencing his present. What are you going through today? How does the life of Christ, how does his death, how does his resurrection, and the hope of a life with him in the future embrace your current situation? That is the grace we have. And the future we have is assured no matter what happens to us here in the now, nothing will ever take this away. Let us pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you, submitting to you everything we're going through now that is hard. We cannot go out of our homes afraid of the virus. We're fighting for our lives and our health. We're facing ridicule and, you know, the threat of um, harm from other people. We don't know what to trust with social media and the news. 
so many things are happening all over the world that are also destructive. All this, Lord, is painting a negative, bleak picture of life. But Lord, may you help us see that our lives are not rooted in the present only, but we do have an amazing past because of you. Through the gospel of Christ, what you've done, what you've lived, how you've lived, and what you've accomplished in your death and your resurrection, that influences us in our lives today. That though we go through hardship, we could never go through hardship more than you did. Though we experience demotion, though we experience uh, humbling, that we will ne- it will never compare to the humbling of the Son of God to becoming the worst criminal on earth. Or at least, that's how you were seen. And yet you endured all that, Lord, so that we can trust in a future that is secure with you. Oh Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters listening right now. I pray for the families that are represented, that you will just hold us together with the gospel. The truth of the gospel will intersect with our lives so that we can have the hope, the perseverance, the strength, the comfort, and the assurance that this is not the end. The best has already come, and that best is someone we'll also be with in the future. And through the Holy Spirit, we're with you now. So we ask, dear Lord, that you grant us the spiritual lens, spiritual insight, the perspective to have these points of reference infused in our hearts and our minds so that we can be secured properly in all facets in past, present, and future. Thank you for this glorious hope. May you be able to reflect on this more and more as you embrace us with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.